Welcome to Video Store. My name is Sam Mulberry. Today we are talking about the 2011 film Win Win. So let's step into Barrett Fisher's Video Store. Barrett, how you doing? I'm doing great. Barrett, um, this is our second uh, Tom McCarthy movie that we've watched for the podcast. Um, and I want to get into McCarthy as a filmmaker, but maybe let's start with uh, your history with this film. Is this something you were aware of and watched in 2011? Is this something you came across later? I don't think I saw it in 2011 because what I'm trying to remember is when I encountered McCarthy and the station agent, because once I found the station agent, then I wanted to kind of catch up with McCarthy. So I did the station agent. I did the visitor. I did win, win. I know that I saw it on video, but it probably wasn't long after it came out. Okay. So it would have been before spotlight though, which was yeah, like 2015. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, I remember hearing about this movie when it came out. I think I was listening to, maybe it was on the radio even, or a podcast where a movie reviewer was kind of going through things that were coming out this weekend, and they talked about it. All that I knew going into this movie was that um, it was about wrestling to some degree, and that it stalled, starred Paul Giamatti, and that's kind of all I knew going in. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have expectations coming into this movie, thinking about it maybe as a McCarthy movie or thinking about it in, in any other way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, based on my experience of McCarthy with both the, the first two films, The Station Agent and and The Visitor, I expected something that would be um, pretty well crafted. You know, I think that McCarthy, uh, and also well written. I mean, McCarthy is a actor himself and i think he knows how to write for actors as a result but i also expected you know kind of what you get in win-win it's um it's a focus on people that typically hollywood films don't make a big deal of you know or or if they do sometimes it seems a little condescending uh the film was actually um is set and filmed in his hometown of new providence so it kind of reflects very much the that kind of uh, local feel, and and even though the visitor, for example, is set largely in New York City, you still get the sense of a uh, of a small kind of close knit community of people who are going through some kind of um, moral or ethical challenge um, uh, that they that they need to navigate, and you know that with McCarthy usually things will kind of come out all right but it's interesting along the way yeah it was it's interesting thinking about kind of the small town element of this um even though it is clearly set in in new providence new jersey they talk about that you can tell from uh a couple characters are doing doing some accent work amy ryan i feel like is putting the work in uh in with that like at the same time like it feels it doesn't feel hyper specific to a place where i mean it if you told me this took place in the Midwest, I'd say like, yeah, that that could yeah. be like like it it um which which is actually kind of nice that it, that it it doesn't um it it uh it shows that maybe there's flyover country in other parts of the country, you know. <laughs> um, one of the big things for me going into this was uh was an actor that I very much like, which is Paul Giamatti. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, do you remember the first time you were aware of him as an actor? That's a really good question because I was looking at his uh, filmography and he was in films that I saw at the time, but I had no memory that he was in them. For He was in Saving Private Ryan. He was in The Truman Show. Um, I, I, didn't rem- I didn't remember that at all because in, in some respects, he's an actor 
This is paradoxical, right? In some respects, he's an actor who disappears into a role. In other respects, he's very distinctively Paul Giamatti, and he's very distinctively Paul Giamatti in, in this film. I, I'll, be, I'll be honest um, about this, Sam. When I decided to pick a Paul Giamatti film because I wanted something to go along with the holdovers, this was, in fact, the earliest Paul Giamatti film I could think of. So that just tells you, I guess I wasn't very aware of him as an actor to win-win. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking of, like, I, it's funny, what you just said is exactly my experience last night. Because when I wrote that question, I thought, well, what's my answer to that? And uh, my first thought was, well, I the first thing I remember about him is his name. Because his dad, Bart Giamatti, was the commissioner of baseball. And Giamatti is a uh, unique enough name where I was like, oh, I, like, I remember that connection as a 90s baseball fan. Um, and I think the first time I remember seeing a movie that was distinctly a Paul Giamatti movie was probably American Splendor in 2003, oh, where, it's right. a, where he plays Harvey Picar. And then the next year, Sideways, 2004, I feel like is kind of his breakout moment, um, because that's an Alexander Payne movie, right? Sideways. I'm, okay, I'm glad you said Sideways. I was aware he was in Sideways. I don't like Sideways, uh, and so that's why we're not watching Sideways. Um, but let me tell you my other connection to Paul Giamatti, my indirect connection to him. Uh, his mother was my creative writing teacher in high school. Um, and his dad, because my high school was right outside, was in New Haven. Um, his dad, who was uh, teaching at Yale at the time, uh, came to the class I, I took in Milton uh, and actually read. We all had written papers on Paradise Lost. And his dad had read those papers and then kind of met with the class and talked with each of us about our, our papers. And then his brother, Marcus Giamatti, who is also an actor, uh, was went to the same college uh, that I went to. So I so I have connections to Bart, his mother, Tony and 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 Marcus, but no direct connection to Paul himself. Well, wow, that's amazing. So anyhow, I had the same experience. And I thought, well, that must be about when he starts acting. And I pulled up his IMDb. And not only did I realize he was in stuff throughout the 90s, but exactly what you said. I was like, I've seen all of these movies and I, I couldn't. I couldn't remember, like, I don't think of that as a as a Paul Giamatti movie. And, and it's partially because he's playing small parts in them, but he stands out. We, we recently, um, as a family, watched The Truman Show, and I had that moment of, of watching it, and I was like, that's Giamatti, because he plays one of the people in the booth, I think, uh, you yes. know, of who's sort of directing the show. Um, so he's interesting because, as you say, he has a very unique look, a very unique voice. There's not a lot of people you see in movies that um, that look like Paul Giamatti, that sound like him. Um, so he's kind of a perfect example of of a character actor, right? Yeah. That 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 uh, the character actor who then makes the jump into something. I don't know if I'd call Paul Giamatti a movie star, but but he makes a jump to like lead roles where where after. After probably 2004, you're seeing more things where he's getting more uh, kind of major parts in movies and in sometimes as headlining movies. Mm -hmm. um, is there a Paul Giamatti role that stands out to you where you say, this is the movie that I think of when I think of Paul Giamatti? Mm, that's a that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I guess in some respects, I would say it, it's this film. I mean, I think that's why this film was so remarkable for me or, or memorable for me. Um, because I think that, you know, when you ask that question, Sam, I guess I have to think, well, what is it I think is distinctive about Paul Giamatti? And 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 I think, you know, to use a, a Yiddish term, he's almost a shlemiel, um, but not quite. You know, he, he's kind of like he he's somebody who's he's kind of a sad sack, 
But at the same time, he seems capable of or attempting to rise above that status as a sad sack. So it's kind of a it's kind of the slump shoulders, sort of the the world weariness, the sense that his character has sort of been beaten down, but isn't quite ready to give up. To me, that's sort of the the classic Giamatti persona, and that's what I see in Win Win. Absolutely no. What you just described is 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 Mike Flaherty uh, in in lots and lots of ways in this uh, in this movie. Uh, I want to get back to I want to get to I want to circle back to talking about Giamatti in this movie and and the character of Mike. Before that, I just want to talk a little bit more about McCarthy before we get into the specifics of this film. Um, so you know, as I said, we watched the Station Agent, which was uh, in two thousand from two thousand three. Um, I've seen Spotlight. I was thinking about those movies, and I'm like, what do they have in common? Because um, I think. This and the station and the station agent, I can definitely see you know similar things to. As I think about Spotlight, it's a little that's a, that's a little bit different uh, different movie. But what I realized is in all three of them, uh, and this touches on what you were saying about him as a writer and an actor, they all have really strong ensembles. Mm-hmm. Um, where I was trying to think because uh, it's been a while since I've watched the station agent. I was trying to even remember, I know who's in it, but I was trying to remember who's sort of the central character of that movie. And I almost couldn't, couldn't remember. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I know the people in it, but, but they all seem like they're contributors to this movie, but maybe not the person at the center of it. Um, and, uh, and this movie obviously has Giamatti more at the center of this movie, but um, it's such a strong, uh, group of talented actors, um, really well-written characters. He gets really great performances, um, tells very human stories. Even Spotlight is doing all of these things as well. Um, and then the other thing that I thought about was um, how much this movie focuses on little moments and little little moments to tell the story. One of my one of my takeaways from taking notes on this movie. Um, and I don't know that you would think about it if you were just watching it is how short almost every scene is. Mm-hmm. A lot of these scenes are are sometimes there's like three lines of dialogue and then we move on to another scene. So he's like just giving us a little piece of a moment. They're not full scenes, but they're just enough to kind of push where where we need to go forward or to present uh, an image that you're supposed to think about. I mean, there's moments where we cut away to Mike just plunging the toilet in the office and then we move away from that, but it's just to be like, well, let me, let's just remind you of this. And then we're going to cut to this other thing. And then we're going to cut to this other thing. Um, there's very few long sequences in this movie. Um, and I'm what I was curious about, and maybe you don't know this, but like, do you have a sense of how much of that comes in the writing or how much comes in the editing? Is is McCarthy writing fragments of, of scenes and moments or, or are they finding that in the edit? Yeah, that's a really good question. To which, uh, yeah, I re- I really don't know the answer. I I have an inclination to say that it's in the writing because um, I, I saw a, um, a portion of a short interview with McCarthy in which he kind of talked a little bit about well, uh, he kind of his goal as a as a director and a writer, uh, and he compared himself to not to compare himself to, but he he made a connection to to Chekhov, and he said that. Chekhov's approach to comedy, a lot of people don't find Chekhov funny, necessarily. But Chekhov's approach is what he called the human comedy, which is that you find humor in the everyday, the quirks of ordinary life. And my theory on this, or the way I'm thinking about this, Sam, is I think that does lead to a writing which says, I just want to give people a little snapshot here. 
because um, I, I, there's something kind of quirky or there's a little, there's a, just a quick bit of information that I want to, that I want to communicate. So I tend to think he probably writes it that way, but I, I actually don't know for sure. Well, that's interesting to think about because not only does this movie find humor in those little moments, you it also finds triumph in those little moments. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and he does things where he'll seed an idea that will pay off much later. And but but they also don't make too big of a deal of it. Like early on in the movie, you see Jackie bring up to Mike, you know, about the tree in the front yard, the dead tree, and Mike's like, "Yeah, yeah, I got I got a call about that," and then that that becomes a little piece of like money concerns where he's like, Oh, I think Terry and I can do it. And then in one of the montages, we see them take that tree down and that's not part of the plot of this movie, but it's this triumphant moment that says something about uh, the effect that Kyle is having on the life of Mike and the life of this family in that part of the movie. And it's, again, it's very small and, um, and doesn't get necessarily mentioned again i mean we see the front yard and we see the 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 stump in the front yard later but um but but it's a, a small moment which tells a lot if you're paying attention yeah and i'm glad you brought that up Sam, because it's also one of the ways in which i invoked Chekhov a minute ago but it's also one of the ways in which he goes against Chekhov in convention right Chekhov says that there's a gun in the first act that's going to go off in the third act so I, I will confess, not having seen the movie in a number of years, when she had that conversation about the tree, I said, oh, obviously, the tree's going to fall down and make a big mess. No, it doesn't. In the same way, the boiler never blows. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they set it up at the beginning. You think, oh, yeah, so the boiler's going to blow. No, the boiler doesn't blow. And she tells him, he says he's going to take care of the toilet. And you think he's not going to take care of the toilet, but he does take care of the toilet. So I so I, I think McCarthy's being very clever there in setting up these comedic conventions and then completely under and then completely undercutting them. So it's one of the ways in which I think the movie is playing with certain kind of comedic formulas. Uh, and and one of the other things that McCarthy said was his goal is to keep the audience engaged. That's what he wants to do. And I think those are some of the ways in which he does it. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up too, because because one of the things I want to talk about is, and maybe this is me being just not a smart viewer but i feel like mccarthy does a little bit of sleight of hand in this movie that was really effective to me the first time i watched it so we're introduced to the film we see mike flaherty and he is presented to us as like a pretty decent guy you know and this is where the giamatti-ness of it is really helpful Mm -hmm. right i mean he is an Mm -hmm. everyman um he is a family man they like like you know the moment with the with when they're at breakfast and he's going in the, the you know he had the uh Jackie talks about how she's proud of him of sticking with the running we you know mm-hmm. we get this stuff he's a lawyer without being rich i mean there's just all this great stuff he's a good he seems like a good friend when you see the interactions with Vig or with Terry um he's i think he's a volunteer wrestling coach i don't think this is something mm-hmm. he does to make money um, and he even says to he even says to Terry, you know, it's not like I'm a scumbag. I help out old people. Like he's like, this is the kind of lawyer that I am. And then the movie is set in motion by him doing this pretty awful thing. Yeah. But because I'm set up both by who Giamatti is and by how the story's told, I and it it shows him do this very matter of factly. If you're paying attention, it's very clear the judge says one thing and he does something else. But it's almost like I missed it when when, when he's moving Leo to Oak Knoll. My thought is, oh, I must have misunderstood the trial because it sure sounds like this isn't what he's supposed to do. 
but Oak Knoll seems nice and Leo doesn't seem upset. So I'm like, maybe, maybe I just misread that. Like I, he convinced me that the bad thing at the center of this wasn't a bad thing. So I was like, well, I, I guess that's not what the movie is. I thought it was going to maybe be about that when I first was like, I was watching it. I thought, well, maybe, maybe that's fine. And this is actually just going to be about the ramifications of that is Kyle coming into his life, but the other stuff isn't actually going to, going to come around. I thought that was really brilliantly done. Well, that is that, of course, is the gun that does or does go off at the end, mm-hmm. right? And and what, one of the effects it had on me, Sam, was I kept rooting for him to walk it backward before it was too late. So, like you know, when he when Kyle is at the house, I think, okay, now's the chance to do the right thing. Take you know, take Leo out of Oak Knoll and put him back in the house. And so, one of the things I found very you know painful was watching how he systematically kept digging his grave deeper and deeper. He would lie about it. Every chance he had to kind of walk it back, it's 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 too late. Um, but before I forget, I want to say one more thing about how I, we get introduced to him, because I think it's a wonderful cinematic joke. Because at the beginning, he's running, and you're coming up from behind him on a tracking shot. Then you realize it's not just a tracking shot; it's a subjective shot. You are the two runners who are passing him by. Mm-hmm. I, I I just think it's a wonderful little, uh, you know, uh, McCarthy may not be known at times for his bravura filmmaking in terms of technique, but I just think that that's a great little wink and a nod to the audience. Like you just thought it was a you know kind of an omniscient tracking camera, but it's actually these two guys passing Mike by. Right, right, and 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 it gives then perspective on. You know, because when you're just watching one person run, especially from that point of view, you can't tell like, oh, are they moving along pretty fast or not? Especially when you're moving and then you watch these people kind of fly past him and you realize he's but, he's barely moving. <laughs> but this is this is also and I don't want to make this sound too, too heavy, but this is also how the film, I think, introduces some really nice symbolism, um, because it's a, it's after that shot that you see the angel uh, fall off his daughter's window. Yeah. And then the daughter has a conversation with with uh, with Jackie about about why Mike is out there, and, and she says he's running. And she says, "What is he running from?" Right. And then the next thing later in that in that uh, scene, she spills orange juice all over the picture of the team. So McCarthy, I mean, this is not you know this is not intrusive symbolism with a big S. These are just daily things that actually happen, and yet he's freighting them with the significance when you look back on them. Absolutely. Um, one of the other things I love about this movie, and I'm going to come back to that breakfast scene because I think there's some other pieces. Because I, I actually think this movie is full of thematic things which stand in for something else. Again, um, like the boiler or something like that. Like even though that's a gun that doesn't go off, that's the kind of gun we have in all of our lives. I mean, anybody yes. who anybody who lives in a climate like ours. Your furnace is a t- always a ticking time bomb of like, at some point this is going to die. And is it going to die on the coldest night of the year or, you know, and, and you know, and, and, and so like, I feel like that stuff is very real, but it, but it also is a kind of symbol of like, even when things seem to be going well, there's always that thing that can blo- mm-hmm. literally blow up. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how this movie, uh, I love, I both love the cast of this movie and how the film deploys it because mm-hmm. it's, it's like a slow drip where I, I, I guess I don't remember if how many uh, of the, of the actors were listed in the opening credits. If they were, I wasn't paying attention because for the, throughout this entire movie, I kept 
watching it again, knowing Giamatti's in it. And then I'm like, oh, wow, Amy Ryan's in this movie. I love Amy Ryan. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, Jeffrey Tambor's in this movie. And then Burt Young is in this movie. And I was looking at him trying to think, why do I know Burt Young? Yes. And I remembered Rocky from, from the Rocky movies is what, what I almost, and then Bobby Cannavale. And then late in the movie, Margot Martindale shows up. And it's so, so it's like, all of these people that feel slightly overqualified for their role, um, but all coming together for, you know, and it's, 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 an, it, it, I almost was thinking since this is a sports movie, I will, I will say this. It almost reminds me of like Billy Bean building a baseball team is like, instead of having big stars, <laughs> what if we just get all of these people who do certain things well and put them all together and build this ensemble, this team, which ends up, feeling like wow this movie is has so much more talent than it needs to have so i just i loved that but it's also fun um nina arianda who is the secretary of shelley i don't know if you know the series of billy bob thornton called goliath mm -hmm. um she shows up she's in the in goliath as a lawyer so it's that's, oh, that's interesting that's the, I, I also think there's a little bit of a clever joke going on here with Bert, the casting of burt young because as you mentioned burt young was uh, from the rocky uh franchise and that's a boxing movie, and this is a wrestling movie, mm -hmm. and and I think there's a reason why this is a wrestling a wrestling movie. Um, but well, I mean, most obviously because this is a film about somebody wrestling with some moral dilemmas. Um, but I just think that that's a that's a lovely kind of uh, cross fertilization, if you will. I'm going to pick up that comment. Uh, why is this a wrestling movie? Because I want to talk about this as a sports movie. So I'll start you off with why. Yeah, is, well, why wrestling? I mean, be, because because wrestling is all about being in difficult situations and trying to figure out how to get out of them. So, um, you know, so, so for example, when he has that conversation with Kyle about, you know, how do you, how, how do you do it? You know, how, how, how is it you, you, you get out of it? And, and he, he basically says you do whatever you need to do to get out of it. Right. And then uh, there's a conversation he has with Kyle, another one of those really quick ones, right. Where, um, he asks Kyle about, you know, why he likes wrestling so much. He says it, it must. Uh, it, and one of them says it's a, it's about being in control. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and Kyle, Mike, says it, Kyle says it. I feel like I'm in control. I of feel it. like I'm in control. And Mike says that must be nice. Mm -hmm. So 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 I think he's. I mean, duh, he's using wrestling as a metaphor for life. He's using wrestling as a metaphor for Mike's life in in particular. And also the other thing about wrestling is it is both an individual and a team sport. Right. Because whether or not the team wins depends on what the individuals do. And so you get those that nice little moment, for example, where, you know, Kyle befriends Stemmler and, and, and you get Stemmler, you know, you're rooting for him not to get pinned. That's all. I just don't get pinned and, and we'll actually win this. So I think wrestling's got all of that going on. Yeah. And so I was thinking about this as like, OK, I was asking myself this question. Is this a sports movie? And it clearly is i mean there yeah. there is it is about a wrestling coach the 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 you know kyle is a wrestler you see a lot of wrestling and wrestling practice at the same time if we're thinking about sort of subversion of forms a little bit here um this doesn't fall into almost any of the tropes of a sports movie and what's funny is some of the reviews that i read the contemporary reviews kind of knocked it for falling into sports movie tropes and i was like did, did you watch the movie because i feel like it i feel like it doesn't for example one of the things that i love is that as a wrestler at least kyle comes into mike's life fully formed mike has nothing to teach kyle about mm -hmm. wrestling mm -hmm. now there's stuff kyle has to learn but it, none of it has to do with with wrestling that's why there that that scene where he says like i 
feel like I, I feel like I'm in control of everything. It's like, yeah, Mike's got nothing to add. Mike doesn't even understand what that must feel like. Like he's even asks him, he says, what does it feel like to be as good as you are at something? Mm-hmm. You know, so like so and, and in the I think it's in the first or second practice. Um, Vig it's just exclaims, we have nothing to teach this kid, yes. which is great because because most sports movies, even if it's about this hyper talented person, usually it's about how this coach is going to teach this person to harness their abilities in sports to do this or that. And mm-hmm. this movie's like, it's not that. And I, that's why I love that line from Vig because it's almost like McCarthy announcing that's not what this story is going to be. Our characters even know that's not what this story is going to be. <laughs> um, uh, and then it's also not a story exactly about Kyle turning the team into a, a bunch of winners or champions, at least not in the like wrestling sense. Like this is, this doesn't culminate in like the team wins the conference or wins like, like the version of that, that we get is they win. I think one match, probably that whole season or, or one, uh, one meet that whole season. And it comes from Stemler not getting pinned. And <laughs> Kyle's the one Kyle's the one who like, is able to get Stemmler out on the mat. And he's actually not only in the the moment right before where he talks him in, you know, saying you're the secret apprentice, but it's it's Kyle who's talking to Stemmler to be like, I think you're ready. I think you should do this. You know, so 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 Kyle, so Kyle's doing that. Um and you know and and so so again it's not a sports movie in that way. It's also not a st- sports movie about the big match. Even though this has a the big match moment, it undercuts it because what this is a movie about is Kyle having this world where he is in control of everything and how the the world outside of that world is what interrupts that mm-hmm. you know and 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 Mike's life is sort of the 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 opposite of that right he's in a world where he's in control of nothing was or feels like he's in control of nothing and something from the outside comes in which maybe transforms transforms him i love that 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 the there's almost no drama around the the regional finals. It's just Kyle <laughs> self-destructing. Um, so so in all those ways, it undercuts what you might think a sports movie is going to be. At, at the same time, I agree with all that, Sam. But at the same time, I'd, I would say that um, in in a really good sports movie, sports sports is is in many ways a, an opportunity to engage a non-sports drama that you've just been outlining. I mean, I think, I think the really good sports movies have to resonate at, 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 at the the different levels. Like a bad sports movie is just about, Oh, let's watch this team uh, overcome adversity and win the pennant or the championship, whatever it is. A good sports movie, you know, is about, and and actually McCarthy wrote million dollar arm. So he he knows how to write kind of classic sports, sports movies, but a good sports movie to the it has the elements that you're outlining as well. I mean, sometimes it may have all of the sports movie cliches or you know plot points, but at the same time, and this is certainly true of Rocky, right? At the same time, it's it's about something deeper than just what's going on in the ring or or I mean, think about the other quote sports movie we watched a while ago, Raging Bull, right? I mean, I think Scorsese does a masterful job of making that both a boxing film but a film about uh, Jake LaMotta's life. Yes, and that's why I actually think this movie does build up to the big game, but it's not what you expect because I think, and this is another thing where things are planted, the croquet match at the end is the big game. It is the like, 
finding home, finding family, finding something that feels safe and secure and and settled in a, in a, in even in a temporary way. So, so I, I do think, I do think it builds to that, but again, that's a subversion. Like that's not what you, you don't expect it to be croquet, even though Abby three or four times in the movie turns to someone and say, do you yeah. want to play croquet? Yes. I three times. She asks, so much. She asks mom, she asks dad, she asks Kyle. Um, and the, the movie has a few other touches of repetition, you know, um, uh, Mike grabbing the cigarette at the, at the, convenience store and tossing it tossing the pack into the dumpster that. that that happens a couple of times but what i love about the croquet final i'm glad you brought that up sam what i love about that is um this the film is i mean one of the things that's great about this film is you can put it in many different genres but it doesn't fit in any one genre perfectly right so the film is also about a family learning what it means to be a family and and what it means to incorporate somebody from from the outside so the fact that abby asks her mom her dad and then kyle is all part of kyle becoming part of of, of the family so this is also fundamentally a domestic drama um and part of that drama is also about how to how do mike and jackie navigate um what he's done you know because one, one of the really serious issues the film raises is how do you respond when somebody that you um, that you love, that somebody you think you know well, somebody who you think embodies really good qualities, like I'm not a scumbag, you know, I'm actually a good moral person. Uh, how do you respond when that person does something that seems to you kind of beyond the pale? And not only that, has actively deceived you about what that person is doing. I mean, that's a that could be a make or break moment in a lot of relationships. And um, so McCarthy brings that piece in as, as well. Yeah, and um, and what I love about that, that croquet match as well, to go back to symbols we were talking about before, is they are in the lack of shadow of the tree that, that, that they took down. Like they're standing, I think Abby's maybe standing on the stump of the tree or they have the, um, mm-hmm. one of the posts is right by the stump of the tree. Yes. So there is this, that we are returning back to that symbol as well um, of this other, this other external threat that has been neutralized by this new family. And we've also moved, you know, we've also moved from winter to spring mm-hmm. or, or early, early spring to late spring. So the, the change in the seasons is another one of those kind of subtle symbols that McCarthy uses. So one of the one of the ideas or themes of this movie that I really found interesting was um, the impact of the impact of families, the impact of parents on children. Um, and this is we can obviously see this in Cindy and Kyle's relationship, right? That that. Um, part of the trajectory of Kyle's life, the troubling trajectory of Kyle's life early on comes from Cindy's struggles with addiction and kind of things that are happening in her life. Uh, and that threatens his education, the prospects for a future, his living situation, and it leads to some of Kyle's choices, right? So Kyle, when he talks about, you know, how he got kicked off his wrestling team in Ohio for stealing a car, um, him running away, he runs away multiple times in this movie uh him kind of self-destructing in the wrestling match that that there's a degree to which some of those things are uh responses that are inherited from from his mother at the same time although cindy's not the most um we don't get as much cindy in this movie as we do of other characters there are meaningful moments like i think when she's talking to mike and she says 
kind of you have no idea what Leo was like when I was younger. Mm. Like, I don't think she's just saying that. Like, like that 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 feels like that's a movie we're not watching, but she's pointing at another movie to say the reason I'm the way I am is not just I make bad choices, but like I had a tough life too. And Leo may seem like this sweet guy who's maybe kind of losing his sense of the world, but he wasn't always that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so there's this sense that, that these things maybe come down from, you know, within families, from parents to children. And it's why I love, it may be the first word that is said in this movie is when Abby swears when the angel falls. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then you hear yep. um you hear Jackie say it and later yep. you hear Mike say it and Abby as a character her her main function is to be a listener. She's in the room even if people aren't aware and then she'll say, "Well, what does that mean? Yep. What does it mean this?" So there is this sense of like as this drama is going on, there is this 6-year-old who is like a sponge for better or worse, taking it in. So there is this sense of like, you have to be aware of the, of those things. And I love the way we see that in Kyle's family, but we also see that in Mike's family. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, I, that, that repetition of that particular word was one of the other ones that I was going to note. And that's a, that's a really important point about, you know, in a sense you can imagine, well, what was the experience of Cindy as a child? If we see that reflected by Abby, the, the other thing I think he does that, that McCarthy does in terms of um, helping to flesh Cindy out a little bit or maybe not maybe not simply make her into a villain uh, is the obvious um, moral equivalent that is set up between her and Mike mm-hmm. because both of them have the same goal. I mean, neither of them, I mean, yeah, I, Mike cares somewhat for Leo. I think he does, but he's basically using Leo as a meal ticket. And so the fact that she's come back into Leo's life because she sees Leo as a potential meal meal ticket, I think what it ends up doing is it creates a kind of um, a kind of ethical equivalency, or at least levels the ethical playing field to say that you know Mike can't really get up on his high horse, uh, and neither can we as an audience about how much superior he is to Cindy because um, he's also to a certain degree on on the make and also to a certain degree just looking try, trying to sal- salve his conscience about it's kind of okay to do this and in a way she's doing the same thing look how Leo treated me when I was when I was younger it does I, this is sort of a payback that I think you know I think I deserve well and I love how Mike is so aware from the second Cindy shows up he's so aware like we can't the one thing we can't do is go to court because that's the only place he thinks that's the only place where this is going to create a problem is if I have to go back in front of that judge and say the thing that I was going to do and take this money for, I'm not doing um, that, that sort of uh, that sort of then shapes his, his, his further actions then to, you know, like, so, so what are those other things um, those other choices that he makes or things that he tells people um, another theme of this movie that I really loved. And I think this is at the core of, um, of I think what's really beautiful about this movie is the theme of second chances. Um, this is another phrase that gets, that gets repeated uh, throughout this movie. Um, so I, I think, I think my favorite like pairing in this movie is, is Jackie and Kyle. I really like how she, oh, yeah. her, her first response is like, we cannot have this person. She wants to lock him in the basement, yes. <laughs> um, which is both like a, something that I, I like, I get, but it's also like, 
you just you can tell that's a monstrous choice at the same time as like he's not a prisoner he's somebody <laughs> you have welcomed into your home for better or for worse um but that that but the second that she starts to get to know him and becomes aware of his even before she really gets to know Kyle well when she comes becomes aware of his mother how much she flips into this like i feel like like her parental instincts kick in and she mm. becomes the person who's saying well we can't just let him go we can't send him back um i also love the number of times that jackie and um mike try to give kyle money yes. and he's like I-, I have money i don't i don't need and because because and, and it's not a big deal but it is this thing where again i i guess i trust kyle when he says that because otherwise he would just take it so there is this sense of like i'm not trying to get something out of you because mm-hmm. there are people in the movie who are trying to get things out of people so 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 kyle is not doing that so anyhow when kyle and jackie get together and they talk about their tattoos oh yeah um and this is when kyle finally explains how he how and why he got kicked off of his wrestling team uh and jackie says we all do stupid things uh the good news is you get a second chance right like that 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 being here now like you're going to get a second chance as this and then that gets echoed at the end uh when they're in the basement and kyle has has snuck in to get his stuff and um mike tries to apologize for everything not tries he does apologize for everything and kyle says what do you want you want me to forgive you and mike says no i just want to i just want you to give me another chance mm-hmm. um and there is this sense of like um, that that is that's maybe what that's maybe a version of what forgiveness is, right? Forgiveness is is giving someone another chance. Then Kyle says, "What I want is to be alone in the basement." And as they're walking up, leaving him alone, Jackie stops and in a, and in this moment of grace, stops and says, "Kyle, I want you to know that we love you." And that sets into motion these these other things that kind of click into place. So uh, the wordless scene of Mike sitting there eating breakfast upstairs and Kyle coming up, sitting down and eating breakfast. And and yeah. he has uh, McCarthy has the restraint to be like, we're not going to have anybody say a word because mm-hmm. this alone shows that like Kyle's going to give Mike another chance. And that then that that is a kind of grace because that's what grace is, right? Grace is. Oh when you deserve one thing um, mm-hmm. and, and what you're given is another chance you're given this reprieve from that. So, um, so he offers grace in that moment and then it becomes this sort of domino of grace as they go to the courthouse and, um, and we see Cindy want to meet with Mike because, because um, uh, the Cindy's attorney basically says we have you dead to rights in the courtroom the transcript and now is enough right so again he's like i have received grace from kyle but now i have to face this other punishment and what he gets instead is grace again and Mm -hmm. in in essence cindy gets a kind of grace too right when he's like she's like well you, you know i'll send you these checks you're going to get this money um and kyle gets grace from like it just becomes this like outpouring of a kind of grace in that moment i loved everything that happens in the courthouse there. <laughs> and that's, uh, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, I, I, okay. I love the focus on grace, um, Sam, but at the same time, I think it's, I think, I think this is where McCarthy does go for kind of a Hollywood ending. Um, but it's fine. I mean, it, but, but it works within this, in the structure of grace. I mean, I, I, 
I, I, I wanted to see them sit down and sign some kind of a contract uh, to trust him that to, he was actually going to send the $1,500 a month. Um, you know, realistically speaking, based on how she'd been treated by him so far, I'm not sure I would I, I would buy her just saying, oh, that's OK. You'll send me the fifteen hundred. That's great. But we know that he does. Oh, we no, know that he, he does. we know that he does, because if that were the end of the movie, I would agree with you where it's like, OK, that oh, okay. seems like a clean ending. But, but we then know. we get the next scene and we see Mike coming home from work yeah. at the office, changing clothes and going to 10 bar. That, yeah. because, so, so so there is this sense of. It's not just grace and not, okay. Not that being a bartender is this, but in Mike's case, it is, it's kind of penitential work. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it's like right. saying like, okay. Um, I, 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 my life is now different because this grace has been extended to sure. me and now I'm going to do this. If it didn't have that ending, the, the actual ending, I would feel differently. I think him at the bar is really, really, really important. And, and, and that is, and that is another gun that goes off. Because he and Bobby, he, he, he and, and Terry had talked about that at the beginning. What am I going to do? Go 10 bar? It was exactly exactly what happens. Um, I want to just, before we move on, I want to linger a little bit more on Jackie and and Kyle. Because um, the, the way that she kind of flips into bear mother mode, you know, when she finds out more about Kyle's background, he says, I want to go to Ohio and beat the crap out of his mom. And then, and then the first day, you know, and here's the thing. I... I went to school like in college with guys like this, guys like Kyle that had had been, you know, top high school athletes. And then it seems they left it behind. And then the minute the minute they got back into it, it's like they flipped back into this discipline. So, you know, so I love the scene when Kyle gets up at five o'clock or whatever it is to run. And Mike comes back to bed and Jackie and, and, uh, and he says to Jackie, that was Kyle. He was working out. And she says, is he going to do that every morning? And he says, in season, yeah. And she says, I hate you. Um, which is, it's a, it's a great conversation. But the, the other the other moment that you talked about, the fact that she and, and Kyle kind of trade tattoo stories, the other really kind of conventional movie moment you get in the film, and it's fine, it's, it's saying it's conventional isn't a bad thing, but you get uh, the montage uh, to the John Bon Jovi, Have a Nice Day song. Mm-hmm. And then you get all these, you know, all these, uh, all these scenes of bonding moments, which is, which is okay, but it is a little, it is a little formulaic that McCarthy does that. Right. But what, what I love about this and this, I think the montage is a, is a, a requisite for something in a sports movie. Yes. And the fact that it's not a montage of look at how this team has turned around, but it's, it's about people coming together. That's when the tree goes down in that yeah, montage. Yeah. You see Kyle and Stemler really starting their friendship at this point. Like you're seeing them do things. You're seeing Terry, you know, we haven't talked a lot about, I love Terry in this movie. I love Bobby Cannavale in in these movies. Um, You see him like also getting connected. Like he's clearly over at Mike's house. I don't know if they're lifting weights in the basement with the team or what they're doing in the basement down there. But, um, but, but the montage is not what you would expect from a sports movie montage. It is ne- it is neither a training montage nor a victory montage, nor right, right. much of a sports montage. So actually I kind of like that as like, well, yeah, we have to do, we have to do that, but we're going to do something that a little bit different than what you might expect. Yeah. Well, let's, let's say something a little bit about Terry because um, I, I, he takes, he takes Terry in kind of a, a different direction than I expected. Um, so at one point I'm watching one of my notes was, 
what does Terry's plot his subplot with his ex-wife, what does this have to do with the rest of the, the rest of the movie, right? And, and that kind of drops away. Uh, and, then, and then for a while, it's like um, Terry is almost like this tempter because he keeps giving Mike bad advice. And Terry's going to be the one that's going to kind of ruin things because he's going to give Mike a piece of bad advice and Mike's going to follow it. And no, that doesn't actually happen. I mean, Terry says stuff and Mike just kind of slops it off. So in fact, r instead, Terry is kind of like he's kind of like the adult version of Kyle it, only in that he kind of gets incorporated. He, he kind of gets incorporated into this family. And so he's almost like a big, a big puppy uh, who just kind of needs people to show him some, some love and attention. He's also a little bit of, he's a little bit of comic relief and he's a nice kind of counterpoint to Vig um, at the same time, the way he and Jeffrey Tambor play off against each other is really nice. Yeah, and 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 he, I mean, I, I I like the idea of he's sort of a, another version of Kyle because he has also been uh, kicked out of his family or is or is running from from his family. So this is, you know, if this is a story about how do we construct unconventional families in situations like uh, Terry becomes the the older brother, younger uncle. Although the thing that's always tricky to me is he and Mike are supposed to be the same age. Yeah. And I don't yeah. I actually don't know if, if Bobby Cannavale and, um, and Bart Giamatti or uh, Paul Giamatti are the same age, but that was the part where it's like, well, they were on the wrestling team together. Yeah. That's that, that part. All, but it very well could be. Cause like, I can't quite age either of those actors very well <laughs> in the movie. Like they, it's conceivable. Uh, it's Maybe. conceivable. You know. Um, one other thing I want to talk about or just bring up is that how how great the title of this movie is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a win-win is a situation where you find a, usually you find a compromise where everybody gets, everybody gets a version of what they want, you know, um, uh, and, and what's great is the, in the middle of this movie, it almost feels like, oh, you've achieved your win-win, right? Like, like, mm -hmm. um, uh, when when Terry talks about like Kyle coming is a, a sign from the universe that like that what that everything's okay because you know uh, Mike has dealt with Leo and again Leo doesn't I like that Leo doesn't seem he wants to go home but he doesn't seem so unhappy that it's that it's that it's like it's it's haunting you but you're just sort of aware of like little moments where like Kyle will come back and said yeah Leo said this and you know um. So so Leo seems like he's in an okay place. Mike has his Mike has the money. Mike has Kyle and Kyle's in, you know connecting in with the family. So that feels like oh maybe that's the win-win of like this thing is leading to the ramifications of his choice are actually leading to these other kind of wins. And then it collapses and then I think the win-win is at the end where there is this kind of resolution where everybody kind yeah. of gets a version of that. So I really like the title of this movie. So I, since you since you mentioned Kyle and Leo again, I just have to say I love the little grace note of Kyle buying Leo the cocoa puffs. Yes, um, I mean there's there's what three breakfast scenes in this film, and 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 each one is kind of an, an important one in in establishing relationships. So you got you know the family at the beginning, you have um, Kyle and and Mike, and you have uh, Kyle and and Leo having breakfast together. So I just love the way he ties those in. What do you think of the performance of Alex Schaefer as Kyle? Because he's the that's a pretty important role in this movie, and he's surrounded by people who are very well seasoned actors. Well, you know, it's it's an interesting performance because in in some ways, 
what you can't figure out is it is it method acting or is it not acting at all? Exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, it seems like he so perfectly inhabits the this kind of teenager that he represents. I I mean, I know, I know nothing about Alex Schaefer. I think it was his first film, and he hasn't been in a lot of a lot of a lot of films. I think so he I, was I really can't say. You know, maybe it turns out outside of this role, he's actually this really bubbly, enthusiastic kid. But it just it just seems to me like he perfectly captured that uh, so many so many things about that age. Right. Um, the You know, the kind of uh, very low key uh, affect, uh, that, but at the same time, that hides a lot of really strong feelings, which is what obviously comes out both when he that scary scene when he confronts his mother in the hotel room. That's. That's and, and then with the, then when he acts out in the in, in the in the match, so you know that he's got these really really deep emotions, but he does a really good job of keeping a lid on them. So I don't know how much of that is fantastic acting and how much is this is just the way Alex Schaefer is. I think I, I read he was hired mostly because he was a wrestler, yeah. <laughs> so he could do the, he could do the wrestling stuff believably. Um, but yeah. Being somebody who has, uh, you know, a, a 18 year old and a 16 year old, like this actually think about not especially like kids like my kids, but when friends come over and you're talking with the friends of your kids, this feels yeah, this, this 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 feels pretty real. Um, I also love uh, one other little moment in this movie that I love is um, after everything kind of blows up and Kyle is sleeping at Stemler's house. And he has this conversation with Stemler and Stemler's Stemler is clearly just unaware of the other stuff going on. Um, and he asks like, Oh, was coach, did coach yell at you for losing the match? It, like Stemler doesn't obviously realize any of this other stuff. And Kyle doesn't really explain. And Stemler basically says like, it'll be okay. He's a pretty good, he's, he's a pretty good guy. He's pretty cool to me. And I suck. Like I'm not even good at wrestling. <laughs> so there is the, like, I feel like that's a moment of um, if this is a movie where Kyle doesn't need to be taught about wrestling and things like this, Stemler's this minor character, but I think that's such an important moment mm. for him to point out, like, I know you hate this guy right now, mm -hmm. but I also want you to know, like, he actually is a pretty good guy. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what he did to you to make you so upset or whatever, but like, He's he's been a pretty good guy to me, and it's he doesn't say you should give him another chance, but he sort of says like I think things are going to be okay. I don't think this is going to be as bad as you think it's going to be. Yeah, that, I that, love that little moment. Yeah, that sets that sets the night. I, I agree. That certainly sets the kind of the plants the seed of forgiveness for sure. Um, which is one of the reasons why Kyle is a, a sympathetic character and why, um, even though GM, even though uh, Mike has more screen time, um, it's very easy to see this film as Kyle's film as well. Mm -hmm. So you can look at it both ways. Mike is the protagonist, but Kyle's also the, also the protagonist, which kind of gets back to what you were saying about uh, about McCarthy's ensemble. Even though there's maybe a heavier focus on Giamatti's character, it is still pretty even-handed in terms of Kyle also being one of the more uh, main characters. Absolutely. So, do you have other things you want to talk about with this movie? Uh, I guess I just want I, I just want to point out one other. Um, one other little element of humor that McCarthy sprinkles in, and, and that is when Kyle goes to wrestle for the first time and he tells uh, Mike to slap him. 
and 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 then he slaps him and you get Jackie's response in the stand and then you get and then you get the other then you get the other the other wrestler saying slap me coach i just I, yeah. I just think it's it's a nice little moment um the other thing i want to say is uh i i uh, two things one is uh if there's a 3 year age difference between Cannavale and uh Giamatti. oh okay so that's so, conceivable uh, 56 and Cannavale's 53 so so it's not it's not un, unlikely they were on this on the same team and then we were talking earlier about you know how do you describe uh paul giamatti i don't think there's a better description of this one by a.o scott squirrel cheeked and beetle browed with rounded shoulders and a scratchy voice he is a virtuoso of exasperation a maestro of disappointment an intrepid navigator through squalls of frustration and failure <laughs> i think that is pretty the, well done I, I so miss A.O. Scott as a film critic. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, so what do you have for us for next week? Well, um, this the, the series that I'm, uh, that I'm working on right now, uh, Sam, is uh, is taking uh, actors who have had a big moment in 2023 and looking at some earlier work, right? So Paul Giamatti, The Holdovers, uh, we went back to win-win. Uh, Margot Robbie, obviously, you know, the biggest movie of the year, Barbie. Uh, I want to go back to the 2017 uh, Craig Gillespie directed film I Tanya uh, to revisit an earlier moment in Margot Robbie's career. Oh, another kind of sports movie too. So yeah, kind of a sports yeah. movie too. And uh, uh, Craig Gillespie. Um, well, here's the other Barbie connection. Craig Gillespie directed Ryan Gosling uh, in Lars and the Real Girl. Um, oh, okay. And so I decided. I decided we were not going to revisit Ryan Gosling, even though I was very tempted by his film Half Nelson, which is another wrestling film. But we already did Ryan Gosling. So if people want to see an earlier Ryan Gosling, they can go back and uh, and listen to Lars and the Real Girl. Oh, fantastic! I am. I have. I have seen this movie, but it's been a long time. I'm very excited to. Uh... Uh, to revisit this, uh, have you seen the holdovers? I guess I should ask you that. No, it's uh, it's it's on my list, but we are uh, we are waiting for the price on Amazon to come down. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm very excited to uh, very excited to watch that as well. Well, Barrett, thank you so much for recommending this movie. This is not something that would have probably come across my my radar to watch, and like I really found this movie to be delightful. I I found the the ending. I know that that, that that's where a lot of critics kind of dropped off on it and i actually thought it was really i thought it was effective and i think the coda the coda makes it work um yeah, without yeah. It, it 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 pulls back a little bit from the 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 neat ending of it um i also like that mike seems relatively happy tending bar at least that night so yeah. it's not like he's he's not in some sort of purgatory because of this but he's just in a uh, a changed version of his life so thank you so much for recommending this for having this conversation that is all the time that we have but we will be back next week to talk about I, Tanya in the video store. Mm-hmm.